High five somebody and said, all we need to do is show up. Come on, tell them. All we need to do is show up. The battle's the Lord's. He fights the battles. But how many understand our responsibility is to show up? Come on, look at your neighbor and say, are you going to show up? Come on. <laughs> hey, I love it, man. Welcome to this weekend. First day of September or the first Sunday in September, moving down. I was looking at the wall this morning. You realize we only have four more months and 2022 is gone. I mean, I can tell. So if you just want to be reminded, see over here on my left or your right, you can see all those words, abundance, anchor, wake and arise, active, active advance, adapt, alignment, and now action. You know, I, I just thought the sense of humor was pretty good that today's message all this month we're going to talk about action, and we're starting on Labor Day weekend, which is the weekend people take off. And uh, I don't know uh, what you're planning on doing tomorrow, but, man, you started your week off good, getting in the house of the Lord. And we just want to welcome you. Randy, Krista, is it 13 years you guys celebrating today? 12, 13, 12? Come on, would you give a good hand clap for an anniversary in the house? Anybody else got an anniversary this week? Oh, yeah, back here. Wow, man, isn't it amazing? Right there, man, anniversaries, I love it. I want you to take your Bibles, if you would, and open up to the Old Testament book of Hagag. Be careful. Some of you haven't been there in a while. You probably got a lot of dust between the pages. If you go to Malachi, you turn left. You go to Zechariah. Hagag is going to be right there. We're going to be hanging out there. We want to welcome our online campuses, North Judson, Wanata, Hebron, and down in Kentucky. Come on. Would you give a good Valparaiso welcome to our people watching, and they're gathering around this morning. And, uh, man, I'm, I'm just excited to, to, to what God is doing and the challenge I think he's going to challenge us to when it comes to action, when it comes to being able. You know, I was reading, some of you might remember, but several years ago there's this guy by the name of Larry Walters. Larry's 33 years of age. He lives out on the West Coast, and Larry decided that he would do something that he's never done. Now, you know one of my favorite phrases is to ask people, when was the last time you did something for the very first time? Okay, look at your neighbor and ask them that question. When was the last time you did something for the very first time? How many understand we all get in routines, don't we? Come on, we do a habit. When was the last time? Larry decided that he would do something. So he went down to the local Army surplus store that morning. He bought 45 used weather balloons. And he came home. He had a few friends to assist him. He filled those weather balloons with helium, and he tied them to his lawn chair. See the picture right there? And he took along with him a six-pack of beer. It's starting out pretty good right there. You know trouble's around the corner. A peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a BB gun. His thoughts was that he would get in this air balloon. They would lift him up about 100 feet, and he would just fly through his neighborhood, and he would be able to see his neighborhood from the air. Little did he know those balloons, 45 balloons filled with helium, would not take him 100 feet, but it took him 11,000 feet in the air. He was now right smack in the middle of the air traffic pattern of Los Angeles International Airport. 
So now Larry is too frightened to start shooting, <laughs> shooting the balloons with his BB gun. So he floats around for hours, and eventually several hours later, the balloons gradually started lowering themselves. He safely comes back to the ground, only to be greeted by the police and all the news reporters. The police give him a citation, and the news reporters ask him three questions. Here's the first question they asked, Larry, were you scared? He said, are you kidding me? I was frightened. Number two, they said, would you do it again? He said, no way would I ever do that again. And the third thing they asked him, they said, well, why did you do it in the first place? And I love Larry's response. His response was sometimes you have to realize that you can't just sit around waiting for something to happen. you got to be willing to take action and do something. How many understands that there's a lot of people, you know, they want to talk about what God has done for them and what God is doing for them, but many, many times they have a problem to talk about what is God asking of you? What is God requiring of you to do? I'm totally convinced that most of us sitting in this room today, watching online, you've been around here long enough at Heartland. If you're a guest, I want you to understand this. We believe that God has laid claim on all of our lives, and he wants us to engage our culture in a loving way. He wants us seeing our culture and engaging our culture different than what most churches do and most people decide to do. And when you understand that fact, you have to realize that not only is it about aligning your life with God's purpose, we talked about it last month, but now, what does action look like in my life? Faith isn't just about feeling like God is telling me the truth. Faith isn't just about saying that God is telling me the truth. Faith is acting like God is telling me the truth. It's the reason why the Bible says we walk by faith. It doesn't say we talk by faith or we, we, we necessarily feel by faith. We walk by faith. And I love this statement. I, I don't know if, if I coined it or where I got this thought, but here's the statement. I don't think I put it in your note. But unless faith makes it all the way down to your feet and your hands, it's not faith. Unless faith is doing something in your life, in your heart, to the point that it engages not just your heart and your mind. Listen, unless it moves to your hands and your feet is not faith. Because I truly believe that what we believe about Christ, what we believe about the purpose of Christ, it has to be married. We have to marry that belief into our actions. We exercise faith by allowing God to involve us in what he's doing in our culture and our world today. I was at a place this week, and I, I walked into the restroom. The restroom was dark, and as soon as I got past the entryway, the light come on. And when it did, I almost scared myself because I heard 
it felt like, it seemed like an audible, almost an audible voice, but it wasn't. Now, I'm not losing my mind, but it was such a strong impression that I felt that God speaking to me as I walked into that room and as I seen the light come on and I heard God say to me that just as this light detected motion or, or, or there, there's, a, there's a switch that detected motion and light come on, the moment I detect motion in your life, my power is going to show up. Well, that did more for me than it did you, I see right now. We're waiting for God to do something, and yet God says the moment I sense there is some motion, some activity, there is some movement, God said, I'm going to release my power. If there's no movement in, in our lives, then there's no power. Why would God give you anybody in this room more if you're not doing anything with what he's already gave you? Well, good preaching, Pastor Phil. Why would we ask for more of God if we're not utilizing everything that he's made available to us? Well, most of us in this room understand that God is in the sense of detecting what's happening in our world today. He's sensing that something is going on with so many people around this world. There is a cry. There is a hunger. There is a desire of so many Christ followers around this world that we want to see God do some life-changing things in our culture today. God says, I'm, I'm waiting to detect some motion. So today, I want us to look at this Old Testament book of Haggai, and, and I want to I kind of set the stage this month as we talk about action. And, and what basically that action is what requires us to rearrange our priorities. So for some of you that might not have read this book in a while, or maybe you've never been in the Old Testament book, let me just kind of set the scene real quickly. I'm not going to give you a lot of history, but most people, people at some point, you've heard of King Nebuchadnezzar. He's the king that had the statue that wanted everybody to bow down. And there was these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They refused to bow down, so he told him in the fire furnace. God delivers them out of the fire furnace, and the story goes on in the book of Daniel. So in 587 B.C., his Babylonian army, they came in and they destroyed Jerusalem and they sent God's people exile all over the world, all over the country at that time. So now we are 50 years later. Babylon has now been overthrown by King Cyrus, the king of Persia, and Cyrus is the one that gives the Jews permission that they might come back to Jerusalem and resettle themselves. And one of the very first things that God asked the people of God to do when they get back in Jerusalem is they would start rebuilding the temple. But the moment they started rebuilding the temple, they ran into obstacles. Anybody here know what obstacles are? <laughs> Anybody here know that anytime you attempt something from God, the enemy's going to make sure obstacles are in your way? Come on, am I preaching yet? Some people today had obstacles even getting to church on Labor Day weekend. For some reason, they thought we wasn't going to be open today. That was an obstacle for <laughs> But, but listen, we all know, and, and the people of God, they, they started running into obstacles. 
And what most of us understand is that every time we attempt God, there's going to be obstacles. So, so Haggai comes onto the scene. Darius is now king of Persia. And we don't know much about Haggai. We don't know much about his background, but we know specifically that God would use this man, Haggai, to prophesy that in the second year of Darius, the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, August 29th, 520 B.C., that God would use Haggai to prophesy to the people, and he would call them to action. So watch this. Here the people are. They, they, got, they got a little complacent. They, they, they got a little stagnant in their movement. They had come back. They're, they're now back in the, uh, the city. They're settling in. And, and Haggai shows up. And the very first thing, the action, he calls them to start by rearranging their priorities. Now, most everybody in this room knows that if something is going to be important in your life, if something is going to be important in my life, there are times that I have to step up to the plate and look at just how and where are my priorities, what's happening. Jesus ties into this in Matthew 6 and 33 when he tells us, he said, I want you to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I want you to put God first is what Jesus is saying. I, I want you to prioritize your life on what matters most. And if you read the whole chapter, he's telling his disciples, don't worry about what you eat and wear and, and what's going on. He said, I want you to understand if you focus on the main thing, if you keep the main thing the main thing, then everything else is going to work out in your life. And everybody said, Amen. Let's go home. Let's enjoy. Okay. Now, most of us understand we know that in our heads, but when it comes to moving to our hands and our feet, listen, we, most of us understand that comfort or fear or even control gets in our way of saying yes to God. But Jesus is simply restating, reestating the truth that is filled the Scripture. It's seen clearly that God must be first in our lives. And what you and I have to understand that so many times that, that our life will mirror what was happening hundreds of years ago. Because here this people was, in hey guys' day, they, they had great abundance Yet they were, they were displaying an apathy towards the things of God. They lacked the passion that they needed to move into action. There wasn't wicked people. Look at your neighbor and say, there wasn't wicked people. There wasn't sinful people. They were people that had lost out on what God was asking them to do. So let me just read to you a few verses of Haggai chapter 1, verse 2. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. It is, a, is it a time for you yourselves to be living in paneled houses while the house remains ruined? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your Ways. Now, what's this? I love what God does here in the Old Testament. He allows room for the Holy Spirit to work in these people's lives. So, write this down. Here's the very first thing we have to do we have to recognize the problem. 
the first step in action that God, that Haggai get through uh, God through Haggai is asking them to do is to rearrange, rearrange their priorities and to be able to do that. You have to recognize the problem. Now, again, there's some 50,000 Jews that's to return to Jerusalem. This is the faithful people. This is the, this is the ones that have stayed true to God. Again, there wasn't wicked people. There wasn't sinful people. They were people that just simply had lost their passion for the things of God. So Hagag is preaching to the choir, as the old saying goes. He's not going through the membership list and saying, okay, I'm going to send a letter to everybody who hadn't been to church in two years. <laughs> Wouldn't that take a while? But listen, he isn't doing that. He is speaking. Now listen, he's speaking to faithful people. But something had happened that they had their priorities messed up and they wasn't putting God first. Now, I know many of us in this room and some of us watching online this morning at our campuses, listen, we understand the fact that it's so easy for our lives to get out of line. It's so easy sometimes that we lose sight on what should be the important thing. Haggai tells us in in verse 2, he said, the people are saying the time has not yet come to rebuild the house. What are they doing? They're they're giving excuses. They're saying, wait a minute, you, you don't understand. The time is not right yet. The time has not yet come. How many times do we hear people say that today? Well, Pastor, I, I know that every Christian should be witnessing. I know that every person should be a, be a light to this world and a soul. But listen, I, I just want you to know, I, I just don't have the time to do that. I, you know, I, I know I should be given the missions and help getting the gospel around the world, but you don't understand the economy, Pastor. I just don't have the time to do that. I know I should be tithing, but you don't understand. We're close to a, a recession right now. And I tell you what, I mean, time I, time I pay what I've got to pay and do what I get. I mean, I've got, I've got to make sure that I, that I store up for a rainy day. Maybe later. Oh, I, I know I should use my gift. I know I should serve. I know I should be in a small group. I, I know somehow or another I should be getting around the table with other people and stop just sitting in a row. But you don't understand. I just, I just don't have the time to do that. Am I making sense yet? I know I'm not talking to you. We're talking about the people that's watching online. The people saying, this is not the right time. So when is the right time? When is the right time to do what God's asked us to do? Write this in your notes. Listen, when I know the right thing to do, I do it. You know when the right time is? It's always now. Everybody say now. Now is the right time. The moment we get light, the moment we get, uh, we, we get a thought, the moment that God speaks to us, the moment that we sense the impression, the moment that we feel passion for anything that is moving us, now is the right time. And Haggai is challenging the apathy and the contentment, but he said, listen, you have to examine your priorities. You got plenty of time for yourself. That's what God is saying. They had plenty of money to spend on their own comfort, their own houses, 
while claiming they didn't have enough to give to God. Listen, saying yes to God is always simple, but it's not easy. We've all been in those services. We've been in those moments in our prayer closet, our prayer times, or a prayer group, and we sense God speaking to us, and we, we easily raised our hand, and we said, yes, Lord, here I am. It's easy to do that. It's not easy to follow that out. Why? Because you have to constantly be rearranging your life. Because, listen, the enemy's going to make sure that he puts things in your way to keep you from following God. I've discovered over my life over the years, I am constantly having to restructure my priorities. I don't know about you, but Philip Dale, that's my full name for some of you who wants to use it sometime when you're mad, Philip Dale has a tendency to get up off the altar sometimes. Philip Dale wants to do what Philip Dale wants to do. I know you don't have that problem. And the only way that I can keep following what God has said, I have to bring myself back to that point where I say, God, let me rearrange my life, rearrange my priorities. I don't want to just have my theology right. I want to have my heart right that moves my hands and my feet in the right direction. Their priorities were wrong. They failed to keep God first. And for the people of God, in their failure, listen, in their failure to follow through and obey what God had asked them to do, it was a result of their poor priority. So write this down. In the final analysis, all... Inverted priorities is idolatry because we put other things before God. Now that's that's stout. All inverted priorities is idolatry. Why? Because I'm putting something before God. Well, I, I never build an idol. I never, I never erect any idols in my life. Listen, every day that you and I live, we exchange a day of our life for something. True? Come on. Every day we do. The most valuable commodity that everybody in this room has is time. It's not money. It's not status. It is time. Every day we exchange our life for something. Listen, when we're born, we get a, it's almost like the illustration. When you're born, you get a certain amount of coins. And those coins represent the years that you're going to have upon this earth. Now, studies say that we have 70 to 80 years. Some get more, some get less. But each day, we take one of those coins and we exchange it for something. It might be a day at work. It might be a day at school. It might be a day shopping. It might be a day at church. It might be a day of leisure. But whatever it is. But listen, once we spend that coin, you can't get it back. Once we spend that coin, it's never retrieved again. And the art of living wisely is a matter of investing our coins in what really matters. And listen, for most of us, living wisely is difficult because often it's not the choice between what's bad and good. 
It's between what is good and what is God's. See, we don't have bad people that come to this church. We get some jacked up people. Oh, I are one. We get some people that still got their own salvation. They're working out. But we don't have bad people. And it's never the argument of what you're trying to figure out between what's bad and what's good. Most of the time we struggle with rearranging our priority because it's a battle between what is good and what is God's. And hey, God just simply challenges them that they have to rearrange their priorities. How? Secondly, you have to, you have to realize your poverty. Now listen, what I, what I love about this book, it, it allows room for the Holy Spirit. I grew up, for some of you that don't know, some of you who do know, I grew up in a church that every Sunday they shoulded on you. You should do this, and you should do that, and you've got to do this. And, and every Sunday I would leave that church feeling real bad about myself because I had should all over me. Now, if you're a real religious person, I know that that bothered you a little bit. But that's okay. We still love you. Because in your heart of hearts, you know what it feels like. Well, you should do this, and you should do this, and you should. But how do I do that? And here, hey, God shows up. He isn't just saying, God, you should do this, you should. He shows up through the Holy Spirit. And he said, listen, the way you start is you realize your poverty. Look what he says in verse 5. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Allow the Holy Spirit to move through your thoughts. He said, you planted much. But you harvest little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you're not, you, you never ha are filled. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Now listen, Haggai understands that if, if, if the people of God are going to rearrange their priorities, they have to come to the conclusion. Are you ready? It's, it's so spiritual. I don't want you to miss it. You have to come to the conclusion that what I'm doing is not working. Whoa. Really? That's what Haggai's saying. You're, you're living for the wrong thing. There comes a point in your life. You have to recognize this. He tells them in verse 5, in verse 7, consider your ways. Pay close attention. Realize your desperate situation. God's people was putting other things before him. And God isn't coming down, slapping them all over the place. Listen, he's letting them, listen, he's letting them feel the sense of their own emptiness. Give, let me read it again. Give careful thought to your ways. You planted much, you've harvested little. You eat, you never have enough. You drink, but you're never, you're never filled. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. He went on to say in verse 9 and 11, you expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, what, what you brought, brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you are busy with your own house. 
listen, Haggai is reminding them, do you really realize how fruitless your life is apart from God? Do, do you really realize that the harder you work, the more you produce, nothing is satisfying you? Does it not sound like some people in our culture today? They have more, but they experience less satisfaction. They got more stuff, but nothing feels. Listen, any, anybody ever went up an escalator backwards? Here's a little photo. Anybody ever did that? I mean, escalator's coming down. You're gonna, I'm going to go up backwards. You take two steps and you slide back three. You take two steps. And you, I mean, eventually you get to the top. But once you get to the top, you're wore out. You're running up the steps. You're trying to get there. But, but isn't that the picture of our age today? Everybody's running up, getting more cars, more houses, more furniture, more food, more televisions, more gadgets, more games, more vacation. But we're unsatisfied. The more we have, the more miserable we are. Here's a thought that I think Hagag is trying to bring to, to the people who is, and I think the Holy Spirit is trying to challenge us with it. What if, what if God sends that emptiness on his divine appointment? He allows that emptiness to, to consume us on his divine appointment so that we might be awakened to the fact that without him, we have nothing. What if it's God? Not the devil, not self. What if it's God saying, really, you, you want to pursue, you want to give all your time, talent, talent, temple, treasure towards that project? Go for it. Remember Solomon tried it and he said, what? He said, it's vanity. Selfishness is always, always leads us to emptiness. And that's, that's literally the conditions of thousands of Americans today making more money than they've ever thought or dreamed, yet they're, they're more empty than they ever sometimes even realize. And so many people have little to show for it. And the point of verses 6 through, uh, through, through 11 there is that even if you get what you're working for, it never satisfies you. From, from, the, from the great theologian group, some of you don't know that they were a theologian, but the Rolling Stones, I can't get no satisfaction, but I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried. But I can't get no. Sound like somebody you know? Sound like somebody you work with? Sound like somebody that lives in your neighborhood? Sound like somebody that you look at in the mirror every morning? I, I thought getting this would finally give me that ah feeling. No, it's not meant to. We're not meant for this world, folks. 
God's not going to ever let you set up your heaven on earth where you feel like, I don't care what resort you go to, I don't care what vacation you go to, I don't care what home you build. There should always be like, there's got to be more. Come on. Man, I'm preaching so good today. Good gracious. Sadly, so many people miss this. They, 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 they won't stop long enough to realize that their busyness isn't fulfilling them. And listen, the only solution, the only answer that Haggai bring, brings to the people and is, is for us today, the only solution to this is our obedience. We have to rearrange our priorities, put Christ first. How are we spending our time? How are we spending our money? You know, what, what, you know what, what, what is happening in our lives to the point that we look at our goals, we look at our aspirations? I love to ask people, what do you think about the most? What makes you cry? What makes you laugh? What is it that fulfills something inside of you? Think, wow, man, if I was pursuing that and I was fulfilling that, that that's, really, that's really where I, I get the total fulfillment. Some of you have probably seen this illustration, but a professor walks into his class one day and he sits down a jar, a mason jar, and he has around him some big rocks. And he takes the jar and he puts the big rocks in the, and then he turns to his class and he said, okay, guys, is my jar filled? Everybody said, well, yes, you can't get no more big rocks. He said, wait a minute. He picks up some gravel, and he takes gravel, and he pours in that, and it stacks all around the big rocks. And then he turns to the crowd and said, is it filled? And they said, well, well, yes. I mean, there's no more. He said, wait, he takes up sand, and he pours sand in there. And he said, okay, is it filled? And he looked at him and said, well, no, no, it's not filled. He said, you're right. He takes water, and he puts water in there. The water runs over. And they said, is it filled? And they said, we don't know. He said, good answer. He said, but what does this illustration tell you? And one guy raised his hand raised his hand. said, I know, I know. He said, what do you think it means? I don't care how busy your schedule is, you can always fit one more thing. No, you miss it. The, the, the thought is, the illustration is, if you don't put the big rocks in first, They'll always be left out. You see, we got a culture today. You're filling your life with gravel and sand and water, and you're looking around in the big stuff that really is going to matter in eternity. You put to the side, and now you come to church every now and then, and you try to shove a few pieces inside, and nothing is working. Nothing is fulfilling. God says, I, I, just, I just want you to weigh the options. And look at what's happening. I was talking to a guy this week, and he, he's a great guy, works hard. He said, I come home from work, and I grab my kids, and, and we throw them in the car, and we're going to this sport and that sport, and we're running all over the place. And, and listen, I'm not against sports. I'm not a, my son's kids play, my daughter's kids are great. Listen, I love it. Mason was playing volleyball the other night, Friday night. I've just come in from a biker event. I got all my biker attire, and I said, I'd love just to stop by the school and stand in the end zone and stare him down. Why he's playing volleyball. I say, this is Papa. But I didn't. Number one, I knew I'd embarrass him and he'd probably hurt me later because Mason's getting pretty big. And uh, 
But this dad told me, he said, I grabbed my kid and I throwed him in the car. We're running and we finished the sport. And now we're trying to get over to another practice. And my son reached over and he put his hand on my hand in the car. And he said, Dad, when are we just going to stop and take time to talk? Why are we so busy all the time trying to fill our lives, trying to fill our schedule with the little stuff that compared to eternity is not going to be matter? It breaks my heart when I preach funerals and kids don't even show up to their parents' funeral because something happened, a broken relationship along the way of rearing that child that they wrote mom or they wrote dad off and they don't even show up to grieve their dad's funeral. Somebody said that would never happen. Listen, it happens more often than I even like to think about. And Haggai is just saying, listen, guys, this ain't a you should this and you got to do this. This is just simply, hey, think about your priorities. Examine yourself and, and look at where your poverty really is. You're doing all this stuff. And number three, write this down. We have to realign our attitude. You see, I, I think obedience always starts with the right attitude. And what, what I love about Haggai, Haggai is one of the unusual Old Testament prophecies because many of the Old Testament prophets, they never got to see the results of their preaching. They, they never got to see people's repentance. They never got to see revival. I mean, Jeremiah, Isaiah, and some of these guys who preach hard, but they never, they never was able to see the end result of that. And Haggai is one of those few people that God allows him to be able to be there in the moment to see the results of the message that he had brought to his people. See, this is a, this is a great blessing of longevity of a church. For years, Ron and I served in churches where they moved you every four, five, six years. They send you on down the road. Now, listen, I love meeting new people. I love going in a new community. But I love looking around today. I, I saw on the stage today, we've got, we've got people worshiping and singing today, leading their, their men and women of God today. And they were just kids when we showed up. Or they, they were just born in the last few years. And now to look around and see God doing something in their hearts and lives, using their gifts and their, I mean, it's amazing. There's just an amazing emotion that rises up sometimes inside of my life when I see some of God's kids raise up and now they're, they're adults and they're, they're still serving God. Haggai, in verse 12, it says this, Then Zerubbabel, the high priest, and the whole raiment of the people, they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him and the people feared the Lord. These people that had been apathetic, they had been complacent. Now, again, they wasn't living in rebellion. There wasn't wicked people. They had just lost sight of what should be the main thing. Where is my priorities at? And through the work of the Holy Spirit, they get this new attitude. And the Bible says the people feared the Lord. The people feared the Lord. And then there, verse 13 and 15, then Haggai, the Lord's, <clears throat> then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message to the Lord, to the, of the Lord to the people. I am 
with you, declares the Lord. Circle that. I am with you, declares the Lord. What is God saying? He is so rich in his mercy. He is so rich, rich in his grace that when he sees true repentance, man, I messed up. I blew it. And I've been working, and I've been going, and I've been doing in my life. I've just been adding God in every now and then. God, I recognize that. I repent of that. I want to put you first. Listen, God so recognized what, what the people of Haggai Day was doing that he promises his presence in, his, in their life. I'm with you. See, again, God knows it's easy to say yes. It's difficult to follow through. On that, yes. And time and time again, the Bible talks about that his mercies are new every morning. Uh, in Lamentations 3.23, 2 Peter 3 and 9 teaches us that we never have to fear <clears throat> the day is going to come, that somehow or another God's going to be tired of you and write you out. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. He's not willing that any should perish. Isn't that awesome? God hasn't given up on the church today. He hasn't given up on you. He hasn't wrote you off. He hasn't said, listen, I'm tired. I tried dealing with them before they... Listen, no, he brought you here today. You are here today. Something is happening. The Holy Spirit is doing something in your life. And God says, I want you to recognize my mercy and my grace during this. You acknowledge your problem. You, you realize your poverty. You get your attitude right. And number four, you realign our actions. You see, attitude determines actions. The Bible says in verse 14 and 15, they came and they began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. They were apathetic. They were complacent. They repented. They feared the Lord. They started seeking Him. They started working. And when the people began to fear the Lord, they obeyed the Lord. Now listen to this statement. Come on, Pastor Lindsay. Listen to this statement. When my heart gets right, my hands get busy. You, 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 you didn't get that. You didn't get that. You didn't get that. Let me, let me tell this group, see if you get it. When my heart gets right, oh, I love Jesus. You know, Jesus is everything to me. Where's your actions? When your heart is right, your hands is busy. Laying up things for eternity. We're neither thief nor rob, robber than anything can get to it. And, and what's so unique about this, the, the, the Bible tells us that Hagag preached his first message on the first day of the month, and then we see 23 days later, the people started working. The Scripture gives us a date. They heard from Haggai, on, and 23 days later, he spoke on August 29, 5020 B.C. The work began on 20th of September 520 B.C., 23 days later. So here, here, here's a C-Law moment. I wonder if there's a date like that in your life.
A date when you decided to move into action to what God was calling you to do. I'm not talking about a date of salvation, and that's awesome. Listen, I'm talking about a date where you finally got your priorities in your life straightened out, and you determined from this day forward, God, you are first. I'm done with my comfort. I'm done with my ease. My desire is to follow you. Do you have a date like that? Is there a moment? Listen, I can take you back to 1971, the second week of October. 1971. I'm coming up on 50 years. I'd been, pre- I'd been playing the organ and singing music during revival for this tent preacher. The revival was ended. The tent preacher come to me on a Friday night. Says, Phil, I'm leaving. Come Monday, we're going to finish up. And I want you to go with me. I want you to travel. I want you to, God's put his hand upon your life. You need to go and start music, and we're going to help you, and God's going to use you to minister. 1971, October. It was easy when I went home to my mom and dad. I said, guess what? Deuces, baby. I'm out of here. I'm a 16-year-old kid. I'm jacked up. I'm messed up. I'm in depression. My body's in pain. I'd had an accident. I had things happening inside of me. I'd lost weight. My life was miserable. And I thought, what a way to go. Just, just leave home and go. Listen, it was easy when I said, deuces, I'm out. But it was difficult. When I packed that suitcase and I packed everything I had in one suitcase and I throwed it in an old station wagon, Dodge station wagon, then my dad let me drive to Birmingham, Alabama. He said, yeah, I'll pick it up later. It was hard when I, when I found out the first night I was sleeping. I wasn't sleeping under my night. I had a comfortable bed. My, my parents provided for me. I was sleeping now under a gospel tent by myself. The first night I thought, listen, no siblings, no noise. It's awesome, man. I'm in heaven. And then I had no noise, no siblings. I said, this is, this is hard. I'm lonely. 1971. I'm coming up on 50 years. But that was the day when I decided, okay, God, listen, I'm tired of living my life. Listen, so many people, they, go, they, go, they struggle in their life. I struggled. I struggled doing. A couple of years later, Ron and I, we get hooked up. We get married. We, we, we struggle. We struggle a little bit more. And then finally we started getting some stability you know, things started stabling out. You know, I realized, yeah, she's, she's really married. She's going to stay. You know, she's not leaving me, you know. I had abandonment issues. That's another thing. That's, but listen, she's with me. She, she, she's in for the whole long haul. We started having stability, Ernie, and, and things stable. Kids come along. We started pastoring instead of just traveling, evangelizing. Then all of a sudden, we started seeing some success. I'm thinking, wow, this you know, we, we, we went from, you know, just struggling to stability, success. This has got to be, this has got to be the ultimate word is. Then my kids started coming along. My son started playing drums. My daughter started singing. I started seeing a passion that they had for God themselves. I started seeing, hey, wait a minute. They're doing this not because Dad said you're going to do it. They're doing it because they like to do it. They're anointed to do it. All of a sudden, I move away from success, and now I start saying, this is what significance feels like. 
This is what living your life to the point of obeying God and moving into action and finally looking over your shoulder. And not just reveling in success, but seeing significance. To seeing the things that you planted. That my son is going to stand on my shoulders and go higher than I've ever dreamed. And, and people in this church have gifts and their talents and anointed because your parents have stood. And they stayed in the gap and they, they stood strong and they didn't give up. And they said, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to, I'm going to obey you. This is, this is my calling. This is what you've asked me to do. I'm going to do it in such a way that my kids look at me and they want to follow you too. Not because I asked them to or told them to, but now because they've fallen in love with you. Significance. What is it that God is asking you to rearrange your priorities? What is God speaking to you about filling your life with the wrong stuff? Only to feel empty. The Holy Spirit is speaking. I want you to watch this clip with Tim Tebow. Listen to his story. There's a picture that I stumbled across. And it's one of Time's 100 most influential images of all time. And it's the picture of this young girl She's on her way from her village to a feeding center not far away. And she's so malnourished and she's moving so slow that this vulture is waiting to attack. So the young man that took this picture, I think there was probably something in his heart that he, he wanted to do good, he just, he wasn't sure, so, so he, he captured this picture and he just waited and, and then the vulture got closer, so he kind of shooed the vulture off and then he walked away and the vulture would come right back. And he was told, because of some of the sicknesses in the areas, don't touch anybody, don't do anything, and so he didn't. He didn't. He did nothing, because apparently the cost was too much. So he left. He went back. The New York Times published this photo in 1993. In 94, he won the Pulitzer Prize for this photo. Four months after this, he chose to end his life. You see, every single one of us, we have a chance to be successful in life. And you know what? I hope you are. I really do. I, I hope you're successful. There's nothing wrong with being successful. But success is just about you. But significance is about other people. You see, that man that took that picture, he had success. That's one of the greatest honors a photographer could ever have. But obviously it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. So what's gonna be enough for you? 
You see, success is great. You can do a lot of things with it, but it's not going to be fulfilling. And you can never forget that sense of urgency that it's not about your timeline, it's about their timeline. While you might have 30, 40, 50 years, they have days, minutes, moments. She had moments, but it wasn't worth it to go pick her up. It wasn't worth it to give her a hug. It wasn't worth it to tell her about the gospel. Yeah, I won a Pulitzer Prize, but what does it matter? What does it matter? It doesn't. And I think the greatest tragedy in life is we're going to look back one day and say, I was successful in things that don't matter. Wow. I was successful in things that doesn't matter. What a wasted life to be a success in things that compared to eternity, they don't matter. What, what is God calling you? What's, what's your action point? Not mine. Not, I, I know what the churches is. I, I know what we're trying to do vision-wise and meeting needs and answering calls. But what, what, what is God saying to you in your own life? In light of the Scripture, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you about your hands? Or your heart may be right. You may have all the right knowledge here in the head. But has it moved your hands and your feet in action? I think a very simple thing that God calls every one of us to do, and it's very simple. It's easy. The hard part is living it out. It's the old song that we sung as a kid growing up. It was just, I surrender all. Remember that? I Surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. See, when I surrender everything, I don't face the challenge of having to compartmentalize well, God, I give you this, and God, I give you this, and God. You understand, when I say yes to him about everything, the choice is then made. Then whatever comes up, my time, my talent, my temple, my testimony, my treasure, whatever I'm faced with, it's easy. The answer is easy. Well, I've surrendered that to the Lord. Does that make sense? Come on, I want you to stand with me this morning. Wow, what a great day. What a great moment to move in the action. We have four months left in this 2022 year. Listen, there's some of us that we don't know if we're going to see 2023. We're not promised that. I hope you've got a lot of coins in your pocket. I hope God gives us many, many more years. I really do. That's what I'm praying for. Well, what if he doesn't? Are you living a life of significance? You really think success is going to be enough? You really think achieving things in this world and having stuff is going to be the answer? Every time I do a funeral, there's never a time that the funeral director tells me, you know, Pastor Phil, we've got a U-Haul. We've got to hook up and we've got to take this stuff to the cemetery. It doesn't happen. 
just preached a funeral this week, 68 years old, retired in 2020, got cancer in 2021. Eight months later, he passed. He, he's facing eternity. We don't know, okay? We don't know. But let me tell you what we do. Know. We do know every day if we just get up and we say, God, I surrender all. I, I give my family. I give my, I give my life. I give my talent. I give, I give everything that I am, everything you've given me. God, I just give it back to you. What does that look like for you today? I don't know. But I ask you to do one simple thing. If you don't have a date, if you don't have a 1971, the second week of October for your life, would, maybe today, September 4th, 2022, is going to be your moment. You decided, I'm going to stop playing church. I'm going to just stop going through the motion. I'm going to be somebody who makes an investment. I'm going to stop wasting my life. I'm going to invest my life. I'm going to see a future. I'm going to have a significance about my life when it comes to me standing before the Lord one day. Maybe today's your day. Maybe you made that decision 20 years ago and you think, well, yeah, Pastor Phil, I made that decision, but I messed up along the way. God doesn't have a plan B or C or D for your life. He has plan A. So what do you do? You go back to that moment. You say, God, forgive me of that moment. Now let me pick up and go forward from here. Amen. We're going to sing this verse, and this is how I want us to close today. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, that's the very first step that you start by surrendering your life to Him. And say, God, I want you to be Lord and leader of my life. I want you to be the Lord and leader of my life. I want you to forgive me of my sins. If that's you today, whether you're in the balcony, whether you're here, you're watching online, our campus pastors are going to get ready down in North Chester and Watertown and Hebron, they're going to get ready. If that's you today, I want you to make sure you come up here and stand to my right because we want to pray with you personally. But everybody else, I'm going to ask you this very simple question. Are you willing today? Will this be the day that you're going to move into action? You say, well, Pastor, I'm already doing what God's asked me to do. Thank the Lord. I'm so proud of that. Now, but would you just would you just drive another stake in the ground and say, Satan, I want to remind you, I'm not stopping, I'm not giving up, I'm not, I'm not quitting, I'm not going to slow down. I'm going to drive a stake in the ground. I'm going to remind myself and others I'm moving into action. God, I'm going that way. What do you do? I surrender everything. So listen, right now, I want you, if you if you don't know Christ, come on, just stand right here with me. If that's you in this building. We're going to pray with you. If you're, listen, if you say, Pastor, I'm ready. I'm ready to move. I'm ready to go and act. What does that look like? I don't know. We got tables signed up. We got ministry opportunities. There's opportunities. We'll help you every way we can help you. But today, let's start at the altar. Would you meet me down here? Come on. Would you all over the building? Come on, just start moving. Just start. Don't, don't nobody wait. Come on. Come on. Come on, Miss Rhonda. You need it. You need it. Come on. Yeah, you need it. Come on, we all need it. Come on, board. Our board members, come on, wise. Come on, we need it. Young people, staff, come on, we need it. Come on, we need it, God. We're driving a stake. We're driving a stake. This is our moment. This is our time. This is our time. Come on, come on, right now. Wadatal, North Judson. Come on, down in Hebron. Come on, you guys. Come on, come on, come on. That's awesome. That's awesome. Come on, that's awesome. Come on, everybody, just lift your hand. Sing that song, God. This is our prayer today. God, this is our prayer. God, we surrender. We surrender. God, we give up control. God, we're going to get out of our apathy. We're going to get out of our contentment, our complacency. God, we're going to move to action.
God, thank you for this great church. Thank you for this church that has a desire. Thank you for this church that has a desire, God. person that you're standing next to if you're in the audience just bow your heads with us I, I love this church we've got so many great people we've got so many people that are sensitive to the Holy Spirit's cry of repentance when he when he when he when he puts you in check about attitudes and behaviors that you know that's not of God you repent of that quickly and that's so important in the church and I just want us today to pray for each other God, we, we, we do want to be a people of action. We, we want our faith to be in our hands, to be in our feet, to be in our hearts, to be in our lives. Come on, right now, would you just pray, Father? I pray for every man, woman, boy, and girl today. God, that the faith that we have, the knowledge that we have that's in our heads, God, as our heads and our hearts get challenged, God, that we will move with our hands and with our feet. God, you see the opportunities you're giving this church. You, 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 see, the, you see the moments, Father, that you're, you're aligning for us even now in eternity that we don't even aware of. But, God, I thank you for that. When that moment comes, that time comes, that we're going to be prepared. We're going to have people equipped and trained and ready to say yes. God, I thank you that you're calling young men into ministry. You're calling young ladies, Father. There is a call of God that's being stirred up even now. God, that we know that time is short. We know that time is running out. And we want to occupy till you come. God, we don't know if it's five years or 50 years, but we just want to be about the Father's business. And I thank you, Father. Come on right now. Just lift your hands one more time and say, Holy Spirit, we surrender. Come on, sing it. Holy Spirit, I surrender. I listen to your voice. I be obedient to you, Father. Whatever you're calling me to do. Yes, God, whatever you're calling me to do, whatever you're calling me to do, God, I'll be obedient. I'll be obedient. I'll be obedient. All to my Jesus, Jesus, Lord Jesus, all to you. Savior. Now, Father, I pray. I pray for this week. God, I pray as we go out. God, I thank you for favor that's going to be with us. I thank you, God, that goodness and mercy is going to follow us. I thank you that the angel of the Lord himself is going to camp around about us, protecting us from danger and harm. I thank you for God moments and God opportunities. God, this is a church that's saying yes to your will and yes to your way. God, this is a church, Father God, that is determined that we're going to live lives of significance, not just success. And we thank you, God, for your favor, your blessing that's over all of us. And we receive it. And everybody said amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a good hand clap. Hey, I love you. You have an awesome week.